I'm a DJ. Hello and welcome to Wicked Myth. I'm just going to keep going because we've tried three times now to do this intro. Oh, God. You're welcome. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Oh, God. Alright, so um, today we got something a little special going on. Taylor and Nigel have gotten married recently, so unfortunately they're out today just, you know, kind of enjoying being um, newlyweds, and in their place I've brought in some family of mine, and I'm wondering if that was the brightest decision. <laughs> may not have been your best choice. May, maybe not. I love you guys. Alright, so with me today I have my sister Emma. Hello. And her significant other, TJ. Hi, everybody. And then my significant other, Scotty. Hello. Why do you say it like that? What, what's that face? It's just a Hannibal Lecter face. It is a Hannibal Hello, Lecter Clarice. face. No ulterior motives at all. Not yet, anyway. That was not a tone I trust. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, just to let everybody know, every now and then you might hear children in the background. Unfortunately, they are here, and um, so just enjoy any little tidbits that they will give you, because they will. My daughter is incapable of silence, so. Alrighty, um, and today we're going to be talking, this is a wicked side, by the way. And uh, we're going to be talking about the Birkin Hare anatomy murders. So, um little bit of true crime, because uh, normally this would be Taylor's slot. Normally Taylor does true crime. So I decided to opt on that little note. So uh, if that works for everybody. Anyway, my sources for this one were thehistoricuk.com, the story of Birkin Hare, Britannica.com, William Birkin, William Hare, Birkinhair.com, todayifoundout.com, which I did not know that my favorite YouTube channel also had a website. I should have. Uh... Two men murdered 15 people the course of a year in order to sell the bodies as cadavers for college students to dissect. That's the name of the article. Um, YouTube.com slash Today I Found Out and the Birkin Hare Anatomy Murders. Um, that's the video. So, alrighty. And, um, alright. History is sadly full of murderers, thieves, and opportunists. And, opportunist? Opportunist. And uh, the men known as William Burke and William Hare were all of these things balled into two horrible people. Um, we'll start a little bit with the time that Burke and Hare found themselves in. It's the early 1800s. Um, there was sort of an awakening in the medical community. They realized that if they wanted to advance, they needed to learn more about the human anatomy. Um, however, there wasn't a whole lot of ways to study hum the human body, you know, other than to study the bodies of the dead. And in Edinburgh at the time, it was outlawed for many, many years. Eventually, Scotland made it legal, however, for medical students and professors to dissect cadavers of the dead. Uh, however, these dead had to be convicts um, killed by execution. So, and due to that and a series of other law changes at the time, there was... Uh, sort of a shortage, a shortage available. So schools found themselves at a loss and really needing bodies uh, for their students to dissect. So um, initially, to kind of get around the laws, they didn't do anything that was um, illegal um, necessarily, although it wasn't legal either. They started paying poor people um, for the bodies of their loved ones. So, you know, I mean... Kind of gruesome. 
<laughs> a little bit, but I mean, I guess I can understand it at the time. If if you're poor and you're struggling, and I don't know, but still, I'd, you know. Yeah. I mean, they charge. Donors give it for free. Yeah, yeah. So. Fair point. Yeah. Well, the families would often make an, a pretty decent sum, so. Um, this practice, the practice of body snatching was really popular for about 150 years. Um, these men became known as resurrectionists. Uh, they'd sneak into graveyards, dig up bodies, and then sell them. And that was the more illegal side of, uh, the body snatching trade. So, unfortunately, this wasn't poor people willingly giving their relatives over. This was people stealing the dead. And the fresher the dead, uh, the more they were paid. Um, the problem was so bad, they actually began to build watchtowers and graveyards, as well as hire guards, and families would even volunteer to sit by fresh graves for days at a time to protect the deceased and make sure that their grave was undisturbed. Um, many measures were taken to prevent the practice, and yet it spread from Scotland to Ireland and eventually to England. So, it definitely went everywhere. Um, if you go to Scotland now... And you'll go to some of the older graveyards. You'll find guard towers everywhere um, in the graveyards. So just a weird little fun effect there. Um, this is the time that Burke and Hare found themselves. And both men were Irish. Burke had been a servant uh, of a ranking military officer. He had a wife and two children. When he left Scotland, he abandoned his family um, because his wife refused to go with him. Uh, once in Scotland, he worked many different jobs. He was a baker, a weaver, a cobbler, and a general laborer. Hare, however, worked as a Union Canal laborer. They met when Burke moved in, moved to Edinburgh and into a lodging house that Hare owned. Uh, the two became friends not long after their murder spree began. Oddly enough, the whole thing started with a body they didn't kill. An elderly man staying at Hare's lodging died unexpectedly, still owing Hare a sum of four pounds. So. <laughs> well, I mean, what are you doing? given by the time, that was... I was like, four pounds. But given by the time and, you know, the, the era of this occurrence, four pounds is a lot of money. Yeah, and I did um, find the equivalent of what it would be. Uh, it's later on my notes, but yeah. I even have, like, how much money they made off of the bodies oh, in today's. So, yeah. So, uh, known in, it was known in certain circles that medical schools would pay for bodies. So, Burke and Hare decided to sell the old man's body to recoup their losses. They actually filled his coffin full of bark and then hid his body away. Um, they were uh, going to sell the cadaver originally to a doctor named Alexander Monroe um, at the Edinburgh Medical College. Now this is kind of a funny little twist of fate. You're gonna want to remember that name because he comes back around. The name sounds familiar in the first place. Yeah um, but in the process they heard about Dr. Robert Knox. They made arrangements with Dr. Knox's assistant and they came back at night to deliver the body. When they were offered uh, seven pounds and ten shillings, which equals today about seven hundred and thirty pounds or about one thousand one hundred American dollars. Wow. Yeah. So not an ins insignificant sum. A little, a little trip up for me too. I'm concerned with the idea of they filled the man's coffin with tree bark. Yeah. <laughs> like of all the substances to use, 
Let's, let's debark a tree. Yeah. <laughs> you go by this guy's house, there's three trees that have no bark on them. You're like, why? Why not just cut down a tree and just fill it with logs? <laughs> well, here's the idea. Go grab a couple of rocks and put them there. A couple knows? of rocks, whole body. I don't know how many trees you got to skin to equal the amount of weight of a body, but it's got to be a few. <laughs> <laughs> look, I, I'm not in the minds of the murderers. <laughs> I don't look, have look. an explanation. This is just what they did. Obviously, these guys had something wrong with them upstairs. So they might have been somewhat <laughs> mentally unstable and been like, you know what? Shaving a tree sounds like the best idea. Let's run with it. <laughs> Now I just have a mental image of, like, two dudes out with giant Bic razors, like, up and down. <laughs> oh, no, potato peelers. Yeah. Oh, potato peelers. Giant That's potato better. peelers. That's better. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, um, eventually another tenant became ill, and the two men realized they could sell his body, too, once he died. However, Joseph the Miller wasn't actually sick enough to die. Burke and Hare rationalized to themselves that he would eventually die and that he was in so much pain that they were actually helping him by putting him out of his misery, which I find questionable. Extremely. Definitely questionable, but, you know, we're all going to die at some point. Yeah. I mean, there there is a little bit of logic there, (laughs) but their conclusion to said logic is... uh, yeah, a little, little ethically sketchy. Just, Definitely. Just, just a little sus there. But yeah. You can just imagine the guy waking up in the middle of the night, breathing hard, you know, sick as a dog, and these two dudes are standing over top of him. Well, funny you should say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they uh, decided to suffocate him, and they actually, together... Um, they more or less did just that. One of them pinched his nose closed and held his mouth shut while the other person laid basically on top of him, smothering him with their weight. With a, yeah. They, so, yeah, uh, I am sure there's a more efficient way of doing that. Yeah, well, that's the way they used. This method actually became very, very popular, though, because it didn't leave any marks on the body. Which was more desirable for the people buying the, the bodies. Get a phone book. Yeah. Well, they could also say, "Oh, well, they drank too much and they died," or you know, they died of illness. You know, marks were suspicious. Marks indicated murder or foul play. So they didn't want that. This technique actually later on became known as burking. Like it was that popular of a thing to do. I mean, the they other didn't have dude. pillows, though. Like... Yeah. Well, you'll kind of find out why later, too. So, um, like I said, this left no suspicious marks and no damage to the body, which equaled a bigger payout for them. Also, the fresher the body and the more intact the body was, the more the payout. Um, they originally planned to keep doing this with sick tenants. However, there weren't as many sick tenants as they initially thought there would be. Um... Especially because you'll see that they escalated very quickly. Everything that I'm going to tell you, this took place in less than a year. Over a year's span. So, yeah. Uh, From there, the body count began to grow. Um, The stories were pieced together by information gathered by both men. um, Hare's common-law wife and Burke's mistress. And who everybody believed to be his wife. And then Burke himself actually wrote out a confession, um, eventually. The next victim was an elderly woman named Abigail Simpson, who was in Edinburgh to collect her pension money. Um, They invited her back to the lodging house with the intent to get her really drunk and then murder her. However, they actually both got drunk themselves and got too drunk to murder her. (laughs) So, yeah. 
The next day, she woke up. She had a hangover. They had a hangover. They convinced her to um, combat said hangover with a little hair of the dog again. And uh, they just got her drunk all over again. And then they murdered her. Wondering how much they spent on alcohol to collect for this lady's dead body. Yeah, I'm really curious. But uh, they go through all this and made like 15 cents. <laughs> I think it was a bit more than that. But um, this time, Knox himself actually inspected the body, and he was so impressed by the quality and how fresh the body was that he paid 10 pounds for her. Damn. Yep. So. Um, the next was an English matchstick salesman. Um, then after that, an old woman, lured by Hare's wife, Margaret, who during the trial, um, Hare claimed had nothing to do with the murders. She said she had nothing to do with the murders. Um, but it's pretty obvious from the stories that came out later, especially um, Burke's own telling of it, that, that um, both Margaret and his mistress, Helen, had a lot more to do with it than initially thought. Um this makes it, you know, pretty clear that they were actively involved. She got the woman very drunk, then called her husband and his uh, his friend to finish the job after she left. Then April 9th of 1828, two prostitutes that were pretty well known around town, um, Mary Patterson and her friend Janet Brown, both were said to be very, very beautiful. Mary herself in particular was really well known around town. She was known to be very beautiful. Um... And her services were sought after quite a bit. They were invited to breakfast at um, the home of Burke's brother. Patterson passed out from drinking. Brown, however, had a bit of a stronger constitution and didn't. Um, the men kept trying to get her drunk. And during this process, Burke's mistress, Helen, walked in and became furious that they had prostitutes over. Um, so Burke began fighting with Helen and um, eventually he managed to get her outside. However, she stood outside and screamed and banged on the door. Uh, Brown eventually decided to leave because awkward. I just can't imagine staying through that. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, so this decision to leave actually saved her life. Um, later that day, though, Brown became concerned uh, for her friend Patterson still hadn't returned and she hadn't heard from her and couldn't find her anywhere. Unfortunately, by this time, Mary Patterson was already dead. Um, she went back to the house. Hare lied and told her that Patterson was out and about with Burke and that the two would return soon and then invited Brown to sit and wait. During this time, Brown's landlady actually learned that Patterson was missing and became concerned when she also learned that Brown was alone uh, at Harris house. So she sent a servant to retrieve Janet Brown back and ultimately saved her life. So this, this girl managed to dodge uh, being murdered by these men twice. So both times completely accidental, but yep. Um, Mary Patterson was just 18 years old. When she was murdered, her body sold to Knox. Uh, even more tragic, several of the medical students recognized her, having been clients of hers. And despite this, nobody said anything. Nobody reported it. Nobody did anything. Damn. Yeah. That's rude. Incredibly. So, 
Um, later, the two men married a beggar woman, simply known as Effie, who knew Burke from his days as a cobbler. She would sell him leather scraps and things like that to use. Um, she was also murdered the trademark way. She was burked, and then she was sold for ten pounds. Um, an unnamed drunk woman, um, unfortunately, is next on the list. She was actually in the process of being arrested when Burke intervened and claimed to be a family member and said he would take her home and get her to sober up. And what I, I can't imagine this today. Like, I can't imagine any two policemen just being like, yeah, two strange men, go ahead, take this woman. And, it would not happen. Yeah. Yeah, with no confirmation of who they actu- actually were. But yeah. Um... So, yeah, they took her back to the lodging house, and she was burked, and then she was sold for 10 pounds. So, yep. Um, and then, then in June um, 1828, so again, very close in the timeline. Mm-hmm. They they did this all very close together. Um, are they selling these bodies all to the same doctor? Yes. They are all going to Dr. Knox. At some point, doesn't Dr. Knox have to go... Hmm. He, I very strongly suspect he didn't actually care. Be- and I'll, I'll, we'll get to one murder in particular that to me, anyway, because I can't say for certain, but to me proves that Knox knew what they were doing and was choosing to look the other way. I mean, you gotta think he has to be. Yeah. Yeah, at some point when the same two guys keep showing up with dead bodies. Yeah. In such a close period of time. Yeah, you gotta be like, hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yep. Um, Anyway, uh, June 1828, Burke had convinced an older man to join him at the lodging house for a drink, promising him free whiskey. Um, But on the way, they were stopped by an old woman and her deaf grandson. They were lost in the city and needed directions. Burke told him he would help them out, and he left the old man, taking the woman and her grandson to the lodging house, um, telling them that they could rest there for a while first. Um, they got the grandmother drunk, and then while Helen and Margaret entertained the child in another room, they smothered her. After the murder, they began to argue what to do with the boy. Uh, they were very afraid that he would leave and report to the police, um, where his grandmother had last been seen. They didn't think that they could burke him because they didn't think they could get him to drink enough. Um, so in the end, Burke actually killed the boy by breaking his back. Yeah. They collected 16 pounds for both bodies. So, yeah, that that one gets to me. Um, you know, older people, and it, it's still awful. It's terrible. They're going after vulnerable people anyway, but to go after... A child. Yeah. It's especially heinous. Um, next was a woman named Mrs. Ost- Oster. I think Oster. O-S-T-H-E-R. I'm probably butchering it. Um, A tenant at the lodging house. And then another woman named Ann McDougall. Who, um, this is pretty fucked up, was actually a relative of Burke's mistress, Helen McDougall. Hare committed the murder himself because Burke didn't want to be involved in killing a friend. He did, however, help with uh, selling her body and collected... Um, his portion of the 10 pounds off selling her to Knox. So, um, they then murdered a mother and daughter, uh, Mary and Peggy Haldane. 
Um, Mary was an older woman, uh, a prostitute, who was uh, invited to the lodging house for a drink. Um, when she went missing, Peggy went in search of her, asked around town, and found out that the last place that her mother had been seen was at the lodging house. Um, at first, when she went there, they wouldn't let her in. They kept claiming that they didn't let prostitutes in. Um, but eventually, they began to be worried that she would go to the authorities and bring authorities back. So they let her in. Um, lied to her, of course, about her mother's whereabouts. And it, they told her that she had been there, but that she had left and that she was probably coming back. So they convinced her to sit and wait. And like they did every time, they got her very drunk and then they burked her um, Killed her the same way they killed her mother. Um, their murder spree continued. Uh, their next victim, and one of the victims that ultimately was used to convict um, convict Burke, um, was a mentally handicapped young man named James Wilson. Uh, he was really well known around town. He was known as Jaff Jamie. Um, he was known for being very kind and very sweet. Um, everybody kind of loved him. He entertained the local children and folks would let him stay in their houses from time to time when he needed a place to go. Um, yeah, it's incredibly sad. Yes. Uh, he also had a clubbed foot, so he had a pretty distinct feature um, about him. Uh, he had an unfortunate encounter. Um, December of 1828, um, with, uh, oh, let's see, it was Hare. Yeah, he ran into Hare this time, not Burke. Um, Hare lied to Jamie, telling the young man he knew where Jamie could find his mother, but ended up taking him back to the lodging. They couldn't get Jamie to drink, though. Um, he wouldn't drink enough to pass out. So the two of them tried to kill Jamie anyway. Uh, Jamie fought back. He fought back hard. In fact, he threw Burke to the ground at one point. They did, however, manage to eventually subdue him and they smothered him. Jamie was only 18. Damn. Yeah. After his body was sewed to Knox, more medical students recognized him. Um, when one of them said something to Knox, Knox immediately began dissecting Jamie's face. Eventually, he removed Jamie's head and his legs to hide his identity. So basically covering the murder. Yeah. He knew. And that, that's what I was talking about when I said, like, Knox knew. He had to know what was going on. There's oh, no way he didn't. But he was getting paid. Students were coming to him and paying him to be part of these these dissections. Because mm -hmm. that's the only way they were able to learn. Yeah. It was the only way they were able to gather the experience. You know, so his income very much relied upon having bodies available. Exactly. And you have to think, a lot of the townspeople had to know. Yeah. Because if they're saying all these people were last seen here, mm -hmm. you would think most people would be able to draw a picture of it. There's Maybe something they're a little, going on. Yeah. A slow. I mean, with the alcohol consumption around the area. Maybe. But still you got to yeah. think, you know, hey, we last seen these 12 people here, and they haven't been seen ever again, or except for maybe in this medical lab. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you got you got to draw a line at some point. Yeah. And it, it took a while to, I guess, for police to kind of piece things together. They didn't have a lot of actual physical evidence, but they had a lot of really strong circumstantial. 
So, um, but we'll get to the trial eventually too, because the trial was actually pretty wild in and of itself. Um, it's the 18th century, of course it was. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, so their last victim, um, and ultimately their downfall, was Mary Dougherty. Or sometimes Campbell, they weren't sure, I guess. Maybe she was married, maybe she wasn't. Um, she was an Irish woman with a very thick accent, very close to Burke's own. Um, as a tenant at the lodge, her and Burke began to strike up a conversation, a friendship, uh, she thought. Um, and eventually Burke lied and claimed that he believed his mother was a relative of Dougherty's. Um, however, because the two other lodgers, there were two other lodgers present at the time, James and Anne Gray, they couldn't kill Mary right away. Now, this is where something kind of interesting, um, happens. Um, before this event, uh... Burke and his mistress Helen had actually moved out of the lodging and bought their own lodging house because Margaret Hare suggested Burking um, Burke's mistress Helen. Yeah. So. Bad for business when you start killing off friends. Yeah, exactly. Well, obviously, then Burke and Helen no longer trusted Hare, his wife, and they didn't want to live with them under the same roof. They were worried that, you know... One of them was going to die. Yeah, exactly. But they still worked with, you know, Hare and Margaret to keep killing people and disposing of the bodies together, and then they would split the profit. Yeah, making damn good money. Yeah. Yep. So... <laughs> Sources commentary. <laughs> um, they convinced James and Anne to go stay... At uh, Hare's lodgings, this was taking place at Burke's at the time, and uh, of course, then um, they unfortunately killed Mary. Um, the next day, the Greys returned because Anne realized she left a pair of stockings at Burke's. Um, at first, they weren't let in, but they finally got inside, and it kind of sounds like there was a scuffle. It wasn't real clear. Everything that I looked up said that they had to force their way in. Um, and then they went into the room and they found Mary's body hidden under the bed. Helen tried to bribe them with 10 pounds, but the couple went anyway to the authorities. Um, Burke and Hare were later seen immediately after the Gray's departure, uh, lugging a heavy tea chest uh, out of the, the building. Dr. Knox's porter later testified that Mary's body had been brought to them in a tea chest. So, yeah. Um, this wasn't discovered till later, however, eventually the police put it together. So, the police had little to no evidence to go on other than the Gray story. However, they interrogated Burke and Helen, and they ended up giving different stories. Um, including, and more importantly, the time that Mary was supposed to have departed the lodging house. One of them said 7am, the other one said 7pm. Um, which is... That's a huge, huge hole in the story. Yeah, yeah, that's a huge difference. Is anybody surprised with the constant alcohol consumption that they keep anything straight? Right. Eventually, the police um, recovered Mary's body actually in Dr. Knox's classroom. So, yeah. Don't know how far he got into that either. So, Dr. Knox. Yeah, he was a bastard. Um, 
It's not sure if the list I just gave you includes all of their victims. After that, this became a bit of a media sensation, and people all around Edinburgh started coming forward with, hey, I had family members that went missing. They were last seen with Birkin hair, you know, or they were staying at their lodging, or, you know, they were drinking with them in a tavern. And more and more people started coming forward. Um, they actually had angry mobs that were, like, around the jail and during the trials and everything else. Uh, they became very, very hated, understandably. And a lot of people blamed disappearances of their loved ones on Birkin Hare, whether or not there's any evidence that they actually committed all of these murders, but at the same time... They were going at quite a clip already. Right. Like, they were killing a lot of people. Seems like they could, like, I don't know, we'd say in our modern society, subpoena. But the doctor has to have some kind of record of how many times he paid nope. these two guys. No, just winging it, no tattoo. Yeah, it was, it was probably all done under the table yeah, through the back door. And it just... would all have to be, because it wasn't legal, remember? Oh. They were only supposed to be practicing on the bodies of deceased criminals. So, all right. But there was, um, like I said, not really much evidence against the two men. Um, So they ended up offering hair immunity to turn against Burke and confess everything. This also would clear Hare's wife because they were married. He couldn't testify against her. So she was protected. Um... And anyway, he steadfastly claimed that she had nothing to do with the murders and didn't know anything, which obviously, yeah, bullshit. Yeah. Pretty sure if I was lugging dead corpses around, you'd notice. Yeah, yeah, I think I might. Uh, I would hope anyway. (laughs) Um, Burke also refused to implicate Helen at all. Um, He also claimed that Helen had no idea. In the end, Burke was the only one of the five people involved hung for his crimes. January 28th of 1829, a mob gathered um, to watch Burke hang. It took Burke two minutes to stop kicking, and he was left for an extra half hour just to make sure he was dead. After they took him down, uh, the mob around attempted to get pieces of Burke's coffin off the rope he was hanging off of, his clothes, anything, just to try to get some sort of souvenir. He no. He was a criminal. Yeah. I wonder how much they gave for his body. <laughs> Again, funny you should say that. So, um, anyway, uh, they, were, they were actually, this was such a big event that seats close to the gallows, they were selling them to people. Like it was like an arena event. <laughs> I mean, it kind of was back in the time. That was really yeah. the only form of entertainment. It was watching somebody hang. Just out of commentary. <laughs> Stoning people. Yeah. I don't know if they did that then. I think that was older. I think that was older, yeah. Yeah. 16, we can go through rocks in the ocean or watch this guy just hang to death. Yeah, mm. right. Just watch this dude hang to death. <laughs> <laughs> um, after his execution, his body was taken to Edinburgh Medical College, where it received the same treatment as his victims. In a weird twist of fate, he was dissected by Professor Monroe, the man they had originally planned to sell the bodies to. The dissection was a public event, and later some of his skin was made into several items. 
including a card case, which is actually on display at the Edinburgh Police Museum. No That's shit. Yep. Really gross. Um, what gets better? Burke's skeleton itself is still on display at the College Museum. Oh, fuck yeah. Yep. Okay, that's a little better. It's like a museum. Yeah, he's he's there on display to this day along with a death cast of his face and a life cast, actually, of Hare's face. So, um, also, it was said Monroe used some of Burke's blood to as ink and wrote, this was written in the blood of W.M. Burke, who was hanged in Edinburgh. This blood was taken from his head. It's estimated today that Burke and Hare made 160 pounds off the murders, which today would be valued at 17,000 pounds or $26,000. Yep. As to the others involved in the murders, things didn't exactly go well for them. Uh, Helen McDougall was nearly killed by a mob after they released her from the jail. The police had to intervene and actually save her. Um, she fled to England, where she was attacked again by another mob, and it's rumored she fled to Australia, though she was never seen or heard from again after that. Well, she was probably attacked by a third mob and never found. <laughs> Somebody found her on a ship and went, Shark bait. Yeah, I kind of think that happened Shark to bait. just Ooh, about everybody involved, um, with the exception of Knox himself. Uh, Margaret Hare suffered a similar fate upon release. She was also attacked by a mob after she was released from jail, and again, they had to, interview to intervene to save her. Um, she survived another mob in Glasgow and another one in Greenock before eventually fleeing to Ireland. Uh, what happened next to her after that is unknown. Mm. And my guess is she was found. and uh, Never found again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. She was stashed. Um Hare was released February of 1829 after spending two extra months detained uh, to cover the cost of prosecution. Um, there was actually a little known law in the books that they used to kind of hold him a little longer. Um, he was actually chased to an inn called the King's Arms Inn, where he was allowed to stay until the crowd dispersed later that night. After the crowd was deemed thin enough uh he left but he was never seen again after that so my guess is they stuck around just they in less conspicuous him. places they yeah i don't think they were that kind <laughs> so um knox was also a target his home was frequently vandalized uh he lost his income eventually students stopped paying to come to his classes nobody wanted to associate with him Eventually, he had to move to London, where he worked at a cancer hospital. So, yep. And in the wake of the murders, the Anatomy Act was passed in 1832. This allowed doctors, medical teachers, and medical students to legally dissect donated bodies, not just executed felons. The act stood until 1989, where it was replaced and... Uh, with the Anat or with 1984, pardon me, I can't read my own damn handwriting... Um, when it was replaced with the Medical Act of 1984, and then eventually the Tissue Act of 2004. So, and that's the story of the Burke and Hare Anatomy murders. A couple of dicks doing what they did best. Yeah, really. It's deeply disturbing to me that they got away with it as long as they did. Yeah, like yeah, I said, nuts. there's got to be somebody that at least drew a line saying, you know, how yeah. many people were last seen with these assholes yep. that have never been seen again. Like, 
Well, then the medical students recognizing some of the bodies and, and not, not stepping saying, forward. Yeah. 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 Like, especially, I mean, I can imagine in the case of Patterson, it was like if they were clients, they didn't want people knowing. Yeah. So they would rather, like, hold their reputation intact and let a woman's murder go unpunished. Yeah. And then how about... The, the one doctor who seems to always have a fresh corpse, how many of the other doctors probably didn't have any? Yeah. Because, you know, they were trying to follow the rules and, you know, use the criminals. Yep. To give you an idea, too, um, I believe it's it's at the same museum that Burke's body is stored at. It was such a problem that there was a man at the time who was considered a giant. He was like... He was over six feet tall. He was a very, very tall man. And bodies who were considered medically unique were worth more money. And he was so afraid of being dissected that when he died, he had plans to be put in a cement coffin and dropped into the sea. However, a doctor stopped, intervened, paid off the mortician got his body and did exactly what the man didn't want done, uh, dissected his body. And to this day, unfortunately, this man's skeleton is on display. Okay, that's rude. Yeah, that's... that's, that's it's very fucked up. Yeah, that should be something morbid. that would be fixed. Yeah. And actually get him that cement. And, and he was innocent. He, he didn't do anything. He wasn't a criminal. He did nothing wrong. He was just born... Tall. Tall. That's it. That's fucked. Yeah, there is actually, there are people, um, I, th I believe, including his descendants today, that are trying to get access to his remains because he's yeah, their so family can, member. Yeah, so they can, you know. Exactly. He was acquired illegally. He should be returned wishes. to his family. Holy shit, I can't talk. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that that's what they're hoping to do in yeah. the end is they want to acquire his body back and they want to give him a in burial at sea. his concrete tomb and... Yep. Dump him in the ocean. Let him rest. So. Definitely. Hopefully, you know, if, if hopefully he's at peace now. Either way. Yeah. It's just fucked up to think about oh. that. Like, Final wishes like that are super important, though. Definitely. I believe. I believe that too. So I think there's a very large chance that he's not at peace. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And hopefully, he does find his peace. Yeah, I I am hoping that eventually this is corrected. You know, definitely. Yeah, unfortunately, there's just so much of of things like that throughout history. You know, um, like we all know, like Egypt being pillaged for so long, especially during the Victorian era, so much of their history lost and sold. So Stolen. many mummies yeah. destroyed. Uh, because they would actually like make events of unwrapping a mummy. Yeah. That's ridiculous. But it wasn't done professionally. It wasn't done by people who knew what they were doing. It's so done by some asshole trying to make a quick buck. Exactly. So these bodies were desecrated for entertainment, which I, I can't... You can't fathom. No. No. Even recently, um, the the museum that has the head of Nefertiti, the, that really famous bust, yeah. they got in hot water because uh, they actually let a modern artist attach it to a body that he made for it seriously mm -hmm. yeah, that's kind of disrespectful. yeah it's extremely disrespectful 
Exactly. Yeah, it's it's history, and it shouldn't. His art, it just didn't need to be involved. Yeah, I mean, if he's if he's gonna make a body, why not make a head? Exactly. Well, make know? it separately. But... Exactly. Do it separately. Cool. One make thing. a replica of it or something. Something. Yeah. I, I would say cast it and make a mold, but I, I would think that'd be going a little bit much because then you could take a chance of damaging it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if he made a body for it, you can obviously make a damn head. And yeah. get it as close as you can. Yeah. And I'm even an artist, and I, I can't justify that. I can't find a single way to, to justify no that. It. It's disrespectful in the extreme. It is basically looking at a whole bunch of people and their culture and their history and giving them the middle finger. I mean, agreed. And at the same time, you could say that's kind of what everyone's doing while we exhume these tombs and remove everything from these tombs because their belief was they are buried in these tombs. Yeah. And that's where they stay. To a point, I mean, I I, I do believe, like, a lot of this needs to be studied. We need to know history. Yes. You know? So, but it needs to done in an, be done in an academic and a respectful way. Yes. And definitely Free by of, professionals. Exactly. People who respect these bodies. And definitely. This matters to them. The, these people matter, you know. So, it it's sad to see um, that this this happens. You know, a lot of like the obelisks too were removed from Egypt, taken around the world, and unfortunately they were destroyed. I mean, because of course the stone did fine in dry conditions, but then you get them in wet or winter weather. And it's not not the ideal weather for sandstone. No, exactly. It, it's the same process that destroys our streets, and I can't remember what what the term is. There's an actual word for it, um, but basically, water gets into cracks, and then what happens when it freezes? Water expands. Expands and just yeah. It it basically wedges it apart and causes it to crumble and decay at a much much faster rate. Right. So, obelisks that had stood the the the, the time like for for thousands upon thousands of years were destroyed within a matter of a few years right because they were traveling the world and going through all sorts of different hemispheres environments Mm -hmm. everything yep or just put on display and left in weather conditions they were never never yeah it's really really sad and and the thing is in those cases experts should have known better i don't know how they didn't think of that because the instant that I heard that, like, as a teenager, my first thought of, those are going to get destroyed. Definitely. Like, how did I see that as a teenager, but professors that made that their living didn't see that? I, I don't deny them the ability to go into these tombs and see and discover. Right. But do we need to remove things from them? No. I don't think we should. You know? No. Go in, observe. Y'all look. ever seen The Mummy? <laughs> Yeah. Right. right? <laughs> oh my god. You know, Imhotep was an actual person, though. Yeah, yeah. He was um supposed to be very he was supposed to be a very good person actually, Vastly very educated the, and yeah, the yeah, character portrayed in the movie. Yes. Very focused on helping people in society and yeah, he was an interesting dude. The more that I kind of um, I learned about him, is is very interesting. So. Egypt is another topic altogether, though, and, and I've just veered way that, off. It's <laughs> a topic that can go on for days. Yeah. Archaeology in general does this to me, though. Like, yeah. it's it's something I'm very, very, very passionate about. Um, 
Like with the, the bog bodies, that was a huge one for me. I only talked about the Tullinmand, but there are so many other bog bodies um, that I just, I wish I could have talked about. So it was, it's both interesting and, and sad. In those cases though, I don't know. Cause they weren't put there out of respect. Most of the time those were sacrifices. So yeah. I can see holding them at a museum a little. Some some people had weird beliefs back then. Yeah. I mean, some people have weird beliefs now. Too, exactly. Amen. That's, that's that, what that's I think about, though. True. How much of our lives are going to be scrutinized by our descendants and how much of things that are very common that we don't think about, they're going to find weird and bizarre right. and you unusual. Know, the world changes every day and all we can do is hope to grow with it and be more intelligent about our lives. We're yeah. stubborn and stuck in our ways. Yeah, which ultimately leads to nothing good, but yeah. unfortunately, it happens. Um, yeah, so anyway, thank you everybody for listening. Um, appreciate you guys for being here with me today. Thank you, Emma. Thank you, TJ. Thank you, Scotty. You're um, welcome. For letting me tell you a little tale, read a little bit of almost a book report to you. Um, <laughs> And hopefully, maybe I educated you a little bit about some history. So definitely. But um, yeah. Um, again, you can follow TJ uh, on Twitch at Herminator eight eight eight. And again, I uh, will be putting links um, into the description so you guys can follow him and uh, give him a like. And as for us, uh, you can follow us on Wicked Myth Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. You can email us at wickedmyth uh, at gmail.com. Pardon me, I almost got ahead of myself. And then you can follow us on Twitter at Wicked Myth Pod because some bastard took Wicked Myth Podcast. And we're not letting that go anytime soon. So, um, all right, well. Let the hatred mold you. You know, let the butt hurt flow. Well, that's, that could be taken a different way. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your face. Hey, <laughs> <coughs> Pardon me. All right. The visualizations. Really <laughs> oh, God. All right. Well, we'll see everybody later. Uh, thank you for coming back, and uh, we'll see you on the other side. Have a good night.